and and I know like many people that when I was in the midst of going through all my stuff, I said, why me, Lord? And years later, I, I, I woke up and arrived at the place of why not me, Lord? And the reason why I got to that point is I recognized that God created me for a purpose, with purpose and on purpose. Um, and as a result, I went through this, all that I went through to help others through telling my story. It took me a while to get to that point because, again, I was telling myself opposite prior to that. But once I got to that point, I realized the power in passing down the story. Welcome to Deal to Heal with E. James. On this podcast, my guests and I discuss topics and ways to heal and overcome in every area of our lives so that we may heal ourselves, our families, and our communities. My mission is to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thank you for joining in. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. I'm your host, Ernest James, a.k.a. Fin to Fatherless Daughters on Instagram. And I believe that everyone can live a life that is healed, whole, and healthy. And therefore, I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. To deal with your problems, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, share with a friend. Um, so today we are here and we are on episode number 17. Uh, season 117. Uh, it's getting close to uh, starting season number two. So I got to start saying season one <laughs> and the number of this uh, episode that it is. So thank you all again for tuning in. And today is just as good as any other day. Uh, we are here with another guest, Mrs. Fiona. How are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. Again, thanks for having me. I really appreciate being on your podcast. And congratulations on your new podcast. You're doing great work. And I really appreciate the stance that you are taking in supporting Fatherless Daughters. So once again, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. No problem. Thank you so very much, because I know uh, as, a, as a mother, first of all, you know, you could be doing anything else besides <laughs> being here with me. So I definitely appreciate you taking out the time to uh, share with us your, your story and your journey and the things that you have going on. So um, let's jump into it. So um, just to, for starters, just give us uh, our listeners a uh, heads up on who you are and what it is that you do. Okay, well, my name is Fiona Michelle. I have been in the human service field for about 25 years now. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it's been that long. But throughout <laughs> that time, I have worked with families and primarily my focus has always been working with children. And through working with children, I obviously have to work with parents and extended family. Um, and I have worked with um, individuals with intellectual disabilities. I have supported children in, um, who were impacted by their own trauma, whether it's abuse, neglect, and uh, you know different things in that arena, and supporting them and getting into safe environments, teaching them the tools of how to keep themselves safe, even though the environment in itself may not be 100% safe. Um, 
and through doing that, you know, it, it really helped me to impact a lot of different people. Currently, um, I still work in support of children, but I also have a business that is totally a different arena, but it's still kind of dealing with trauma and anxiety and depression, those kind of things, but it was, it's with a totally different population. It's with dogs. Um, I, I realized through working with children and families and going into their homes and working with them that everybody in the home was impacted by whatever occurred, the trauma, the incidences that occurred, even the family pet, primarily the dogs. So at times when I was working with the children, I also supported the family and getting, you know, treatments for their dogs. And I found that both children and dogs are both passions and purposes of mine that just really lay heavy on my heart. Um, so I kind of work, still work with both populations today. Okay. Okay. That's, that's interesting <laughs> to say the least. Definitely. Um, you know, so you kind of like the, the dog whisperer, I guess, <laughs> for the dogs. And some, somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool. That's cool. Um, definitely. Um, so one of my questions, I, I heard you say you were in human services and definitely, um, that's one of the areas that I was interested in. Uh, and I guess I still work in, in some degree, yeah. um, uh, not only, you know, with the work that I do here, but I also do home health care, uh, with people with, uh, dis uh, disabilities, um, okay. physical disabilities and, you know, mental disabilities. Um, so definitely that's a passion, uh, of mine also. So one of my questions is, you know, what was, uh, as being in the, the uh, human services field, mm -hmm. how has that uh, primed you or helped you to do the work that you do now? And, you know, what, what part of your story, um, should I say, gave you the, the initiative to say, you know what, I'm going to go into this field mm -hmm. and use my voice to be heard in, in this way? You know, ironically, the way I answer that question now is totally different to how I answered it when I first entered into the field. When I look back over my entire life, I realized that I was purposed to be in this field. Everything that happened to me, everything I was exposed to led me to this point. And, you know, when I look back and I even speak to people from years ago, they, they would say to me how they always saw that I was a protector of other people. I was an advocate for those who necessarily didn't have a voice that when it particularly came to children that I can tell when something was going on, if they, you know, and they never had to say anything. I just knew that something wasn't right. And I would kind of take other kids under my wing, even though I too was a child. Um, and then of course I had my own experience, you know, like you stated, I, I am, a fatherless daughter. Um, I am, you know, my mother immigrated to a whole entire new country with her two children. And my father was left in the other country and we did, we had very minimal contact. I will only see him in the summers when I would travel back to my native country. And, you know, as a new immigrant family in America, at the time that we moved to America, we weren't accepted. <laughs> You know, I remember going to school and I had a strong accent and automatically I wasn't accepted by people that looked like me. Um, so I learned very 
young that, you know, in different environments that I had to kind of make my way in each environment that I was in because I was always considered different for whatever reason. So I think, you know, going through all of those things really helped prepare me for working with other people. And even when I was in high school going to college, it was not necessarily my intent to study this field. Unfortunately, when I was in high school, I had another traumatic event that happened that really had a significant impact on me. And it was so impactful that it impacted my ability to do science and math. And because I could no longer do um, science and math, I lost some scholarships. Um, and when I went to college, I literally could not pass a math test. It was the first time in life I ever failed a math test. And all of a sudden I was met with the decision of what am I gonna do with my life? And it was a woman in my church at the time. Um, she knew I was looking for a job and trying to decide what my career was going to be. And she um, invited me to interview at her company, which was a human service company working with individuals with intellectual disabilities. I interviewed, got the job, and I, you know, they loved me. Like they trained me. I, you know, started moving up the ranks pretty quickly because they just liked how I just took to the job. And it, it wasn't that I just did my job. I was teaching other people how to better do their job and those kind of things. You know, to the point that my supervisor created positions to me to move into just to promote me. Um, so it kind of just made sense to, you know, why don't I study human service? I'm already working in it. And that's literally how I fell into the field. But I, I you know, I fell into it and fell in love with it at the same time. So I, I knew it wasn't by accident. I was I know it was a bigger plan in play. Um, and I was just saying yes to what God already had ordained. Right. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And I, I definitely like that. And, and I can even hear it in your voice, the passion that you, you have for it. So I'm, as I'm listening to you tell the story, I'm like, yeah, I can I can see it. You know? <laughs> Thank <laughs> so you. I know that one of the, um, I guess, a, a, a motto of, or mantra of yours is that um, the trauma or pain that you experience is not your fault but the healing is your responsibility. Definitely. Right. And, and, and I have a um, similar, um, similar motto that, that I talk about when I'm, especially when I'm working with, with young men. And it is, uh, it is that it's not my fault, but it's my fight. So Definitely. sometimes the, the situations that we find ourselves in um, has nothing to do with anything that we did you know, uh, to deserve to be in that situation. But mm -hmm. since we're there, you know, it's our fight in order for us to get out of it. Mm -hmm. So um, just thinking about or uh, talking about your your mantra, you know, how would you uh, explain that or, or just expound on it a little bit, you know, from your point of view, um, how you see that? Well, again, take it from the perspective of being a child who's in a household, with um, one absent parent and maybe another parent who um, is addicted to substances and then they become abusive, whether it's neglectful, physically abusive, et cetera. Um, the child has no control over that. You know, they're not the reason why any of those things are happening, um, but they may be the victim of those circumstances. They may be the target of those circumstances, but the issue 
is beyond them and is definitely beyond their control. And at that point in time, they have limited ability to protect themselves. Um, at that point, most kids, all, all they can do is look to another adult to hopefully rescue them, address the issue. And sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. So for many years, you're dealing with trauma after trauma after trauma. And when you get to the point that you are able to make decisions for yourself, you have to then decide who are you gonna be? Are you gonna continue to be a victim and just regurgitate to the world all the things that you have been through. You've been hurt, you've been abused, so now are you gonna to decide to hurt and abuse other people? Because hurt people do hurt people. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, heal people help to heal other people as well. So you're at a crossroads where you have to make a decision that yes, this happened to me, but this doesn't have to be who I am. So you determine who you are and you make the steps to work towards becoming that person. So whether it's, you know, seeking a coach or going to counseling or speaking to your pastor or whatever entity that, you know, is your first step into getting the help that you need, take those necessary steps. And I know from my own story that deciding to heal can be very challenging, especially when you come from a family that don't believe in certain modalities of healing. They don't believe in counseling. They don't believe in going to a coach. Um, so you can be seen as an outsider in your own family. So that's another struggle that you have to deal with because now you're kind of isolated and having to deal with your healing by yourself. So it's also very important to be able to connect with people who are on their own healing journey because you can gain support from other people who understand, you know, what it's like to walk that journey. You know, I had years ago, I had a mentor that used to say to me, don't dress for the opportunity that you have, dress for the opportunity that you're seeking. And it's the same thing when it comes to this healing journey that you don't want to connect with the people where you are on the level that you are, because then you're just all in the same muddy waters together. Right. You want to connect with the people that are where you're trying to go because they're going to help you navigate those roads because they will get tough. You know, there will be times where you'll be triggered and you might want to go backwards. They're going to help you to stay the course. And, you know, it's a constant decision every day to resist what you've gotten used to and decide to pick up healing every single day and walk that path. Right. Uh, definitely because healing, healing is it's a journey within itself, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's unfortunate somewhat that we have to go through, you know, uh, traumatizing situations or even pain, but I like to look at it as pain is unfortunate and, and it's uncomfortable, but sometimes it's necessary. Yeah. And, uh, I, I explain it as if, if, if you felt no pain and someone literally, literally stabbed you in your back, and you couldn't feel it, then you would literally just bleed to death, you know, mm -hmm. but that pain and uh, every aspect of it is a way, uh, it's an indicator to let you know that something is wrong and something needs to be addressed. So whether yeah. it's a, a physical pain, whether it's a, a emotional pain, let's say you're in a relationship and you're feeling pain from, from your mate, uh, some kind of emotional need is not being met. It's, it's that indicator that something needs, something is wrong and something needs to be addressed. 
Yeah. So when you when you talk about um, you know, recognizing your pain and, and what may have caused it, you know, how would you explain to someone or how would you encourage someone, you know, to address it in, in a way that's healthy for them? I think some of the ways that, you know, I always try, you know, in human services, I always tell you to meet the person where they are. And that includes speaking a language that they understand. So definitely there's no one cookie cutter way to go about it is is really based on the individual that's on the other side of the table and you know what are they're presenting as their issue and how they're presenting it and those kind of things. So I meet them where they are and um you know reiterate to them that it's not your fault what happened to you. You know, I'm sorry that it happened to you. You know, what you know what do you want now to come out of this situation? Like who do you see yourself as? And what do you see your future as? And I kind of build upon that vision for, you know, that they have of themselves and say, well, these are some areas where you could connect with different modalities or different specialists who can help you get to that path. You know, there's different, many different ways. There's things that we can do personally. You know, I know, I know for me, um, years ago, one of the things I started doing was, you know, positive affirmations because a lot of what was done to me was, you know, I was told how I couldn't do certain things or I, I was criticized, you know, and spoke negatively too. So I had to reshape my thinking because even for many years, in some ways, I assumed the personality of my abusers and I started kind of agreeing with them that, yeah, you're, you know, you're not this, you're not that, you're not valuable, especially, you know, with having a parent that was working on a time, another parent, parent that was, you know, thousand miles away and not even calling or whatever. So you're feeling like you're not worthy. So I, I the, well, some of the first steps I took was just using positive affirmation, saying you are worthy, you are the child of God, you're beautifully and wonderfully made. And a lot of what I utilized was based on scripture because, you know, the one thing that was done good for me was my introduction to God. And, you know, I have a, a great spiritual relationship. I rely on God. I, I'm very, I'm a praying person. And that helped me to build some confidence, some self-esteem to be able to go to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. And to connect with people and learn about different avenues I can take. So, you know, for the person that they're starting their journey, I'm, I'm trying to find out what are some things that they naturally already have in their environment that they can build upon that can help them to take that first step. Because all you have to do is take the first step. And once you take that first step, your confidence level and your confidence level will build so that you will take the next step and go to the next step and to the next step and by that time, you know, you're taking the, the third or fourth step, you're also connecting with like-minded people that you're now building the relationships with so that when you get uncomfortable or you get triggered or you feel you want to go backwards, they're going to help to pull you to the next step to help you keep going forward. Oh, I definitely. I definitely agree with that uh, 100%. Uh, one of the biggest uh, pluses that I think a lot of people um, miss is the company that you keep, you know, to be able to be, especially when you're dealing with uh, trauma or, you know, any kind of things like that, to be in a, a supportive environment of people who understand what, what you've been going through. You know, um, I speak often about, 
you know, my uh, introduction to bereavement after my mom passed away, you know, and knowing that uh, going through that period and going to the uh, bereavement support groups and looking at the environment like, you know what, my people need this, you know, because like you said, um, we don't uh, necessarily, you know, go to therapy. We don't necessarily, you know, go to coaches and things like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the push now um, with addressing mental health and and people speaking more about it, uh, mental health and emotional health, you know, I think we're, we're making strives in the right direction, you know, uh, uh, as a community, you know, to open our eyes to these things and how they may be helpful with us and, and not uh, comparing it against the church, but using it with the church. Exactly. And I think that's definitely uh, a a big like thing that I always been, even when in my growing up, you know, it's like you have the church and then you have, you know, the community and it's Mm -hmm. like, no, it, it don't have to be one against another. You know what I mean? It's like you're a person. I'm a church member, but I'm a community member too. Exactly. Both of those things make me who I am. Then I can should and be able to receive help from both at the same time. So I I definitely um, know the power of being able to be around like-minded people um, to get that support that you need Mm -hmm. because no one understands you as much as someone who has been you yeah you know? no one understands you better than someone that that just took them shoes off before you stepped in it exactly you know? and and i definitely um uh, agree and definitely encourage people to you know seek out support groups seek out help mm-hmm. seek out like-minded people and, and not just in 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 the things that may have worked out negatively you know like in my and my example with the uh, bereavement group, which came at the loss of, of my mom, but look out, look for groups that's that's more encouraging and things that's positive. You mm-hmm. know, uh, book groups, you know, book clubs or uh, yeah, business groups or mentor groups, yeah. things that that elevate you as a person. You know, to build on the the good characteristics of the things that you want in your life, and not just you know as a result of something that's bad that ha- that happened to you. Yeah. So. Um, one of one of the things that I know that even with that being said is that a lot of times people have a hard time asking for help. You know, uh, sometimes no matter what they're going through, it's like you know I don't think people are going to understand me, or I don't think they you know they might not want to help me, or even if they know this about me, they're going to look at me some kind of way. Mm-hmm. You know? And so people are are afraid to to ask for help. So if you could speak to someone right now who may have been uh, afraid to seek help or someone who just, you know, just asks for help or kind of at the beginning of of their journey, Mm -hmm. their journey, what would be something that you would um, encourage them or some tools that you may uh, give to them that they may use as stepping stones to get this journey started, you know, to healing? Well, I can definitely say I have walked in those exact shoes. I have thought all those same thoughts. I was ashamed of my situation, of what I experienced. I told myself that nobody is going to help me because again, I'm not worthy. I'm not valuable. Um, the initial people that I did tell, they did not help because they too 
was, you know, they've had their own history of abuse and everything. So they didn't have the tools because they weren't on a healing journey. Um, and, it, and it took me years to recognize that they just didn't have the capacity. It's not that they necessarily didn't want to help. They just didn't have the capacity to help because they were fighting their own battles, so to speak. Um, and I think, again, going back to my my spirituality and, and knowing that um, as many things that I have gone through, God has brought me out of them all. As many things that I have gone through, some way, somehow, he did send someone my way. It may not have been in the format in which I initially prayed for, but he always seems to answer my way or a person my way to meet the need that I had in that moment in time. So in recognizing that, I knew that there's somebody out there that if I just keep talking, somebody is going to help. It might not be the first two or three people, but it might be that fourth person, that fifth person. And we all deserve to have a happy, healthy, and whole life. And the only way we can get that is by getting the help that we need to arrive at that healthy and whole place. And the reality is, one thing I know for sure is God didn't create us to exist by ourselves. Um, and what we have told ourselves is if you know we're going to seek help, we only got to seek it through our family. And that is a myth. It is a lie. It's not just our family. How many times have we connected with people who have never been related to us and they are the people who help us through that period of our lives? One of the most Three of the most significant people in my lives were not related to me. These were just three significant women that came in my life at different parts in my life. And they saw something and recognized something and knew that I needed some help, some guidance, some support. They knew that I needed to be showered and show love. Um, they knew that I needed somebody to be able to sit down and talk to and vent to. And they showed that to me. They kind of adopted me as a family member, but they were not family. So do not be afraid to tell your story because the reality is we all have a story. Nobody is blemish free. We all have a scar. We all have a story. And there is power in telling your story. And it took me a long time to realize that, but it is not until I started working with children and a professional capacity that I realized the strength of telling my own story because some of these kids went through exactly what I went through and some of them became suicidal, you know, suicidal. They, did, they didn't see the value of living another day. And it was through telling my story that, you know, I remember clearly that one of them said to me, but you don't look like you went through that. Mm. And I said to her, well, you don't have to either because from this point on, you, de you decide who you are. That incident doesn't de decide who you are. You define who you are. And I worked with her a long time on defining who she is as a young lady and who she wants to be as an adult and et cetera, et cetera. And because she had a clear vision of who she wanted to become, she had something to work towards. And having a vision is what helped her to seek the help she needed to get to that next step. So that's another part of it. You know, you know what the Bible says, have a vision, makes it, make it plain, you know, and that's exactly what it is. When you have a vision of how you want to be, who you want to be, what you want to achieve, what kind of parent you want to be, spouse, whatever you want to achieve, then you, you start taking 
intentional steps towards you know, achieving those goals. And those intentional steps are going to lead you to connect with different people who are going to introduce you to healing and different you know, methods of getting to the place where you need to be. We cannot do it in isolation. We can only do it when we support one another. Man, I, I really like what you said. Two two things that really stood out to me uh, just now. Number one, um, when she said that you didn't look like what you've been through, and then your response was, "Well, you don't have to either." I, I really <laughs> love that, you know, because I, I know oftentimes we hear, especially those that grew up in the church, mm-hmm. um, we hear that, you know, I don't look like what I've been through. Um, and so, in the power of telling our story and telling the things that we've we've been through, like you said, it gives them that, uh, that picture of the fact that, no, you don't have to look like what you've been through either, you know, and, and, uh, I definitely know that there's so much power in in telling your story and sharing your story of, of the experiences that you've been through. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm so vocal myself about, you know, even going to bereavement, you know, when my mom passed away, uh, going through a period of, of depression and even, Mm -hmm. uh, period of thinking of committing suicide, you know, um, I brought that up in several, um, podcasts, you know, before now, and, and, and I'm probably going to bring it up a few more, you know, because I I wanted to, I wanted to be a part of the conversation, you know, I wanted to be a part of every day, what it is that we're going through, because I think a lot of times, uh, even as you just pointed out, we live in such an isolated place. And because either we don't want to share because we're ashamed what we've been through Mm -hmm. or we just don't want nobody to know. Mm -hmm. But even the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Exactly. Except what is common to man. So whatever you've been through, somebody else is going through it because somebody else has been through it. You know, and so we have to make sure that our, our voices are heard. Our stories are told so that those that we come in contact with Mm -hmm. can grow from our experiences, you know, maybe they have been through a similar experience um, that maybe wasn't as bad as mine, but Mm -hmm. I can give them my testimony so they don't have to go through an experience that is as bad as mine, you know? And so um, I've learned that there is a a almost direct um, link between your pain and your purpose. Right. And so um, doing one such time as I was uh, doing some going through some things myself, God gave me this quote. And the quote says that uh, pain births purpose, purpose births progress. Mm. And progress is the evidence that God is at work. Mm. And so when we acknowledge uh, the pain that we have dealt with or that we are dealing with, you know, oftentimes it gives us the voice you know, to be able to speak to those who may be going through the same thing or or a similar thing. And as we begin to share our story and and open up our mouths and and, uh, give our testimony and we see lives being changed, then that is that evidence right there that Mm -hmm. I know, you know, as we we oftentimes quote it, you know, the scripture that says, um, all things are happen happens for you know the goodness of the Lord. Uh, I know that ain't exactly how it go, but you know, but the things that we're dealing with is happening for us, you know, yeah. for our benefit. And so it's in those moments that although when you were going through it, you might not have felt it. But when you go to help someone else through it, you realize, okay, this is why I had to go through exactly. what I went through. 
And and I know like many people that when I was in the midst of going through all my stuff, I said, why me, Lord? And years later, I, I, I woke up and arrived at the place of why not me, Lord? And the reason why I got to that point is I recognized that God created me for a purpose, with purpose and on purpose. Um, and as a result, I went through this, all that I went through to help others through telling my story. It took me a while to get to that point because, again, I was telling myself opposite prior to that. But once I got to that point, I realized the power in passing down the story. And, and that concept is nothing new. You know, our heritage was passed down through our ancestors telling the stories. And then once they stopped telling the stories, we didn't know who we were and we were connected, connected to our ancestral roots. And everybody struggles with identity as a result of it. But when we pass down those stories and, you know, we know who we are, we know who we came from, and we know that we're not the only one with a certain experience, it gives us the ability to stand up tall and say, this is not me. It just happened to me. And, and that just saying that little sentence is so significant because we can, you know, we can go through something, be the victim of something, and all of a sudden it could become us and it becomes debilitating, you know, and it leads us to a life of addiction or, you know, use or becoming a user or whatever the case may be. But if we recognize that it happened to us, but this is not who I am, that's a whole different mindset. You're not owning it as something that you did, but you're you're recognizing and you're being transparent with yourself by saying, "Yes, this is this has happened to me. I can lean into my feelings that I feel about that situation. So if I need to grieve, if I need to whatever I need to feel, feel those feelings, release those feelings, so that you can actually heal from that situation." and then move on to the next step of your healing journey so that again, you can show up healthy and whole and be better. And you know, one of my motivations, I, I didn't know if I was gonna ever have a child of my own. I, you know, Truthfully, I was kind of scared of having a child of my own because I, I felt that because of some of the things that I, I experienced that I'm like, there's some DNA in my family that I don't want to pass on. You know, I was so terrified, um, but I was, I was a foster parent for many years. So I knew I had a good parenting gene from mm. parenting other people's kids. I was just afraid that my DNA would mess up a child. So I'm just so intentional today in my parenting style of my child. You know, I think of, I think back over all the things that made me feel a certain way, not good, not healthy, whatever. And I try to be very intentional and in not doing those things. And I try to also be very mindful in, you know, my responses or my, you know, experiences with my daughter to see how she's responding and recognize, you know, is how I'm showing up right now traumatic to her. It might be something very normal to me, but it might be traumatic to her. And also allowing her to have a voice to tell me how a certain situation that we're involved in in the moment makes her feel. So, you know, literally my parenting is kind of a partnership with my daughter. And I know that sounds weird. She's only six, but it's a, really a partnership between her and I where 
I'm learning to show up better every day by how she gives me feedback about certain things, you know, and recognizing that each child is different. You know, I only have one now, but I thought I was the foster parent to four different children and I had to be four different mother styles to those children because of their unique personalities, how they took in the world, whether they were sensitive or not sensitive, all, no, all the uniqueness of each individual to help them heal from what they were going through and help them understand, you know, what they were experiencing and help them recognize love is a beautiful thing, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so they, you know, as much as I was helping them as a foster parent, they helped me to learn to, you know, to be a parent. And ironically, back to the dogs, my dogs also helped me to learn to be a parent. Um, and, you know, again, taking care of them, they're nonverbal learning when they're not feeling well, learning when something in an environment makes them feel uncomfortable. So picking up on all those cues helped me to go back to when I'm dealing with a human and be able to pick up on their cues as well. So, you know, everything in my experience and in my environment has helped me to become who I am today and to continuously work towards being a better me every single day. All right, right, and 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 I can tell it's it's doing its job because just oh, listening to you, talk, like I said, with with just listening to your story and 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 hearing the passion in your voice, I can tell that is the is is working, you know. You. Um, and I, I agree with you also, you know, just the work being in as a, a foster parent, I, I congratulate you. Um, my family as a whole has been in in you know, dealt with the foster care system, um, you know, and helping others for, for years. I have several people that has either adopted or has been uh, emergency housing, you know, uh, for years. And um, even in my own home growing up with my mom, we had plenty of people who were, weren't necessarily uh, legally adopted, but, you know, I get my mom still, you know, <laughs> opened up that door. And even... Yeah. Uh, even myself, you know, opening up my home to, you know, with my sons and, and their friends who maybe have been growing up, you know, with single mothers. And, you know, over the years, shoot, I can't even account how many young men that, you know, exactly. has, has laid their head under my roof, um, you know, just being not necessarily a foster parent, but a, a parent nonetheless. So I, I definitely know yeah. how, how that how that works and in, in the effect that it has on the, of the lives of the children. So I'm so grateful that, that you do that. Miss um, Fiona, you know what? This has been uh, so amazing. I definitely appreciate you taking out your time to, you know, just to be a guest and, and to share your story with us. Um, I have one more question and uh, I'm going to ask it and then, you know, you can feel free to answer it. And after you answer it, you know, please give us any of your uh, media handles or okay. anything that you have to offer, whether it be books or courses or anything like that. You know, just letting us know uh, how it is that, you know, my listeners can get in contact with you. Definitely. So my last question is, you know, I believe that God allows us to go through some things so that um, when we finish and we get on the other side of it, that we have a decision to make. And that decision is whether we're going to be a victim of that circumstance or whether we're going to be a victor over that circumstance. Yes. And for those of us who choose to be the victor over the circumstance, it then becomes our job 
to use our voice to help those who are the victims of it to realize that they can come through on the other side. But that mm -hmm. entails us uh, to come into it with some uh, transparency and some vulnerability. So just in your life and your experience, how uh, strong, or should I say, how necessary do you think it has been with you and how have you connected with others um, to their benefit just by being transparent and, and vulnerable of your, your own circumstances? It has been tremendous. And it took me a long time to get there. Being transparent and vulnerable was, I would say, was one of my biggest struggles because I always told myself in order not to be a quote unquote victim again, I had to be strong. And I equated being transparent and vulnerable with being weak. Um, and if you're weak, you can be a target, you know? So those were the lies I told myself, but honestly, it's the other way around. Being transparent and vulnerable is a sign of strength. Um, it's strength in the way that it helps you to heal. Um, it helps you to lean in and deal with those emotions so that you're not holding them in. And then years later, we, you know, end up being diagnosed with anxiety or depression or any other mental health um, illness. It helps you, you know, to speak your story into the world and take the power away from it. Because if we keep it in silence, if we all stay silent, then the abuse continues generation after generation mm -hmm. after generation. But the moment we speak, it into existence and bring awareness to it. Everybody's eyes starts to open up. Everybody's ears starts to listen more deeply and everybody becomes more protective. But if we continue to be silent, we allow other people to get hurt. And that was my biggest realization through my own experience and my professional experience where I realized a lot of this repeated itself because no one told someone else. Um, so it became extremely important to me to speak my story. And it started out on a very small scale. Like I stated, you know, I, you know, when I would meet the foster children, because again, they were feeling sh shameful. They would show up at my door and head down. Don't want to look me in the eye because they just went through something extremely traumatic. And again, one thing that children always do, they always assign blame to themselves. They always assume that they did something wrong and that's why this happened. So really having to sit with a child and say, you know, when you're, you don't have to tell me now, but whenever you're ready, we can talk. But for now, here's a warm meal, here's this, here's that. And, and then saying to them, I'm also here to let you know who I am. So if you have any questions, feel free to ask. And then being open and honest in responding to those questions in a way that, you know, based on their level of understanding that they understand. And that's where they get an awareness that I'm not the only one. And again, back to what that female said to me about, well, you don't look like it. And it, it gives power to them to say, wow, well, if she can do it, I can do it too. And, and, and isn't that what happens to all of us? We see somebody else achieve something and automatically say to ourselves, well, yeah, I can do it too. You know, sure. and that's with anything. So why not speak our story out there so others can know? Because we don't know which of our stories is going to impact which person. So if we all share our stories, we're all speaking to at least one person. And all we have to do is impact one person. 
you know, and from that one person impacting another person and so on and so on, then the whole world will be impacted. And I think, you know, God has called us all to be missionaries. And that's my form of being a missionary, speaking my story into the world, especially to children, because I feel like that's where I was called to serve from a very young age. And I see, I have seen the visible evidence of how it has given them the power even if they had to go back to a harmful environment, they now know that one, there's somebody that they could call at any time of day or night that would help them out. Number two, they're not in the in this situation by themselves. Um, and number three, this situation does not define the rest of their lives. And to me, that's extremely impactful. Right, I love it, I love it. And, and like you said, one thing I always say is you may not be able to change the world, but if you change one person, then you change their world, you know? And so I, I, again, I thank you so very much for being a guest. Where can we find you? Uh, where's your media handles? Uh, let everybody know where they can hook up with you at. I spend most of my time on Instagram when I am on social media and I could be found at the Fiona Michelle. That's T H E F. I-O-N-A-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. On Facebook, I am Fiona Michelle. And on Twitter, I'm also at the, at the Fiona Michelle, but the last E is dropped off. So feel free to connect with me, reach out, you know, DM me if you have any questions or concerns or you just want to share your stories and I could definitely um, connect you with resources. Um, I don't have a product to share at this time, but I am working on something. So something is in the rims. It's coming soon. And I would definitely, you know, be posting on my social media once it is all said and done. No problem. And we'll be waiting to see so we can make sure we support you. Thank you so very much for uh, being our guest. Uh, thank you for the listeners for tuning in share with a friend. Don't forget to listen, like, subscribe and share. This is the deal to heal with E. James podcast. And again, our mission is to help people to deal, to heal and to fulfill, deal with your problems, heal from the pain and fulfill your purpose. So until next time, we will see you later. Be blessed. Thanks for tuning in to deal to heal with E. James. Remember to listen, like subscribe and share. Today's episode was sponsored by Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear an inspirational tea and be inspired all day. Go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. Remember, our mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problems, hear from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for listening.